Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Chief Political Correspondent, Global News, David Aiken. David, thanks for doing this. Hey, happy to be here, Al. Um, COVID leadership. There's been a lot of discussion here in Manitoba about Premier Pallister's leadership. Friday was a very dark day on the COVID-19 front here in the province, and he was nowhere to be found. He did issue a statement, but we did hear from him this morning, and we're going to get into that uh, in a bit. How uh, Compare how Pallister has led us through COVID-19 here in Manitoba with the other premiers and, and even the prime minister, because there are different styles at work here, aren't there? Uh, there are, and it is, and because there's different styles, and obviously because there's different um, infection rates, etc., in different provinces, it's it's hard to do an apples to apples thing. But we mm-hmm. do have a little bit of data. The Angus Reid Institute, their pollster, nonprofit pollster, based out in Vancouver. Every quarter, they do a premier's approval rating poll. So they ask people in Manitoba or Alberta or Saskatchewan, hey, how's your premier doing? How do you feel about the premier? Now, the most recent poll for this, as I say, that's done once a quarter, uh, was in August. And in August, Pallister was... And not so good, not so great. And of course, in August, obviously the COVID-19 situation was nothing what it is right. today. So mm-hmm. Palliser had the approval of, I think, 44% of Manitobans in August. And by contrast, the top three in the country were John Horgan, BC, just got reelected with a big majority. Uh, after that, uh, Doug Ford here in Ontario, uh, again in August, his situation on COVID much different than now. And then Francois Legault in Quebec also very different now in COVID. Manitoba, clearly, you know, that's where the whole country is looking at right now as a real uh, hot spot. People are very concerned about what's going on in Manitoba. Manitobans are very concerned about what's Mm. going on. Same thing in Ontario and Quebec. So it's... It would be a bit difficult to say. I mean, my sense, again, looking and having covered the uh, election just over a year ago uh, in Manitoba, uh, when Pallister won that big, you know, another big majority, is, you know, caution, uh, possible trouble signs ahead. I think voters um, across the country, by and large, thought their politicians did a reasonable job uh, when this first hit, but now they're asking for more details and they want you know quote science-based lockdowns etc and I, I mean watching some of the news coming out from manitoba earlier this week when there's you know now news again it's going to be more restaurants more small businesses are going to take the hit and yet there's no restrictions for gatherings for people at places of worship and people kind of go well w- w- wait wait a minute uh you know covid 19 does not you know still goes into churches into mosques into synagogues it doesn't recognize it's a holy place so uh w- why are small businesses taking the hit i was just watching the house of commons uh uh it just uh, it's it's question period time nikki ashton the the uh, ndp mp from northern manitoba you know she's sounding the alarm about what's going on uh right now and looking for some leadership both provincially and federally. So I would say, you know, danger signs ahead for uh, Premier Pallister and, and his leadership team, and, and my guess is he knows it, and, and that right now it's a perilous situation from a health crisis standpoint and could be perilous from a political standpoint. 
And as we discuss leadership, uh, Pallister was uh, live on CGOB this morning, and he said, what do you think of the uh, Manitobans, what do you think of the idea of a curfew? We're considering a curfew. And he asked that question, and he wants Manitobans and Winnipeggers to weigh in at engagemb.ca. Are other premiers doing that too, saying, hey, what do you think of this idea? Because I know some people are saying, good, they're asking us what we think. Other people are saying, be decisive, be a leader. Again, it depends sort of province to province. I mean, that's very much Doug Ford style is to sort of be perceived as man of the people. And he's often says, well, I was talking to so-and-so and I was talking to so-and-so. Uh, that's a little different than a formal sort of call in and tell us about it. Um, again, it sort of depends on each person. I think the common denominator that I've heard as I watch premiers react to rising or falling um, levels of um, uh, infection rates and so on is You've got to be clear about this with voters. I think Canadians um, have been very patient, by and large, and understand that there's going to have to be some changes in order to make sure that our hospitals do not overflow with COVID patients. And, and then, of course, if our hospitals have overflowed with COVID patients, our hospitals will be unable to really service people who need cancer treatment, you know, have a heart attack, got a broken leg, and I need the emergency room. That's why we have to keep a lid on COVID. I think everybody understands that. What I think some premiers are getting in trouble with as I look around the country is when the the way they apply a lockdown or a restriction may or may not be based on the science. I mean, here in Ontario, we just went through the Halloween that wasn't. I, I'm not exactly sure the Halloween restrictions you guys had there, Hal, but here in Ontario, we had some Halloween restrictions that were seen to be uh, oddly applied or or incorrectly applied. And there wasn't necessarily, a, or it, at least it seemed to me, that politicians and public health officers were not presenting good science to say, listen, uh, you're, we're going to have this, uh, you know, huge infection rate if Billy goes out in his costume and collects candy. And there was a lot of pushback on that. And, of course, meanwhile, Billy can go to school and, um, and, and can participate in other activities. So that's what I'm getting at, Hal. I think that the challenge right now is really on uh, public health officials and premiers to really explain clearly why it is they're doing what they're doing. It's great to solicit advice, but I don't know about you, but do I want to know, hey, 50% of everybody – who doesn't know about science wants to take this measure or no, no, we have actual scientists working on this. And the science says the best course of action is for us to do this. And then if a premier gets that advice from his scientists or his, or his chief public health officers, then the premier, I think it's incumbent upon that premier to say, great, uh, here's what we're doing. And of course, I think we've seen reporters uh, in Winnipeg at, and around the country challenge um, uh, public health officers when perhaps the, we, we haven't seen, uh, the, the reliance upon science. David, appreciate your help on this. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Have a great afternoon. David Aiken, Chief Political Correspondent for Global News. On a very busy COVID-19 day, my weather expert buddy, Bruce Johnson. Bruce, good afternoon. Yeah, good afternoon. So I just did the forecast. Uh, sunny today, 13. Sunny and 14 tomorrow and Wednesday. How long is this going to last? Because I know the bottom is going to fall out of this forecast. <laughs> well, it should last through Thursday and maybe Friday, at least part of the day. Saturday is looking a little cooler. Then Sunday's the day. 
it might rain, it might snow, it might not do either because the models don't know yet, but it's definitely going to turn colder. It'll be cold, windy Monday. So remembering right now that the average high is plus three, the average low is minus six today. So, you know, the average is by next Monday will be a little bit lower. It'll still be a little below average, but it'll be windy and cold. Now, of course, if we get a big snow, it would be colder, but I don't know yet because every time the models run, I get a different answer. So they're not certain. It's like pin the tail on the donkey right now. And when is that big snow, potential big snow? As you say, the models aren't confirming it one way or another, but when are we seeing something on those models? Sunday and again Wednesday, that showed up earlier today. Um, you know, that We'll have to see if that means it, I mean, if, it, if it actually developed. The one on Wednesday, next Wednesday, would be snow because we'd be in that colder air. But I'll have to see and watch for the next probably two, three days. It should give me a better answer. And I'm going to have new La Nina numbers by Wednesday or Thursday as well. Right. Okay, so we'll get you on next week, middle of next week, and find out what the new La Nina numbers tell us. The last batch of La Nina numbers, it's starting to grow. The La Nina is strengthening. And and just explain Mm -hmm. again to people what that means. It doesn't necessarily mean we're going to have a horrible winter, but... It could be colder, and we could see a little more snow. Right. It could be It'd be a very good likelihood of being colder than average. I mean, you're going to have, look, here's this warm spell, then we have a cold spell that will probably last longer and maybe be deeper, especially once we have snow on the ground. The warm spells will be few and far between, and, you know, the cold spells will be fairly harsh. And then, depending on what go- goes on, on the West Coast, and I look at the West Coast for potential Colorado lows because it's Storms coming into the West Coast, they fall apart in the Rockies, but regenerate on this side of the Rockies, pick up moisture, and then it's where they go is what affects us. They may not affect us in the sense that it goes way south or something like that, but if it's close, we have to worry about it. And the more low-pressure areas that come aboard the West Coast of the United States, the more we have to worry about Colorado lows. As you said, we're going to get back to something closer to normal temperatures very soon. Are we seeing a deep freeze anytime soon, or or is it just going to kind of hover around the normals for this time of the year for a while? Actually, I think by Monday, behind this system, I've got minus 4 for a high on Monday and minus 8 for a low. The low would be about average. The high would be just slightly below average. Then after that, it may get colder, but I don't know yet because I don't know if we can get uh, snow or not. If we do get a snow, then we're going to be in the minus teens or so. All right, we'll get you on middle of next week and check out the new La Nina numbers. Thank you, Bruce. All right, talk to you later. Bruce Johnson, my weather expert buddy. Best way to get to his weather website is to go to my site. Just go to halanderson.ca and you click through to Bruce there. halanderson.ca and that will get you uh, nice and easy to Bruce Johnson, my weather expert buddy's weather site. I'd like to introduce our next guest, and I feel like I know him. I've never met him, but I feel like I know him. He's been on my show every day for so many months now. Dr. Brent Rusin, Manitoba's Chief Public Health Officer. Dr. Rusin, good afternoon. Yeah, hi, good afternoon. Let me just first of all say thank you so much for your service. You and Lynette Siragusa and all the people behind you, behind the scenes, have just done a, a fantastic job, and I, I want to begin our conversation by saying that. Well, thanks. That's that's much appreciated. Big uh, big team working working really hard for Manitobans. 
Mm-hmm. I want to give you the opportunity to get your message out. Today is an important day right across the province, but especially here in Winnipeg. Winnipeg is now red or critical on the province's pandemic response system. The rest of the province, orange and uh, restri- or restricted. So go ahead. Give us your message because I, I think people now understand, hopefully, most people have understood this all along, but I, I think now everybody, hopefully everybody, understands it's important that we get down to business here. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and you can see that uh, uh, unchecked, this, this virus can escalate quite quickly. And when we uh, don't limit the amount of contacts we have, uh, we can see cases rising, and then not soon behind that, uh, um, we we start seeing hospital numbers increasing, ICU numbers increasing, and now we have that strain on our healthcare system. So we certainly have plans in place to uh, you know to surge, um, but we we need to act now. We need to act uh, now to to limit the amount of contacts we have outside our household to bring down the transmission. Some of what I'm going to ask you has been asked of you already, so I apologize, but different people are, li- are listening at, at different times of the day. Why the change today to where anybody who's symptomatic or has a household member who is symptomatic, now the entire household needs to self-isolate? Why was that not done sooner? Well, it just depends on where uh, we're seeing the uh, increased uh, amount of transmission, you know, now very close to a 10% test positivity rate uh you know when uh, when we're down a, a test positivity rate of one percent we'll have be having so many people self-isolating needlessly now that we see so much covid uh, around we have to assume that anyone with symptoms has covid until proven otherwise so anyone who's ill anyone in a family is ill we want everyone to self-isolate pending those results the premier was asked this by a reporter today when he spoke uh, this morning, and we carried that uh, news conference live on CJOB as well as yours at, uh, at 12.30. Um, the Premier was asked, I don't think the word regret was used, but the Premier did admit uh, he would maybe go back and do some things differently. I, I agree with him. I don't think now's the time necessarily to look back. But do anything stick, any things uh, that have done or maybe weren't done or, or were done later than they should have been? Do you look back or are you looking ahead and, and, and dealing with the virus as it comes? Yeah, I think there's going to be plenty of time uh, to evaluate our, our responses, but they certainly have to learn as we go. And, uh, you know, and I think that, um, uh, you know, we just all have to accept that we, we can't leave this virus unchecked, that um, uh, we're going to be living with it. We're going to have to have some levels of restrictions um, and we're going to have to uh, make changes to our life um, or uh, this virus will quickly uh, present like it is now uh, with numbers that we, um, you know, didn't uh, didn't anticipate seeing when we we're in that first wave. Um, uh, certainly prepared uh, the system for it. Um, but uh, I don't think Manitobans were, um, uh, you know, expecting to see numbers this high. Were you expecting to see numbers this high? We had to prepare uh, for it. We didn't know what a second wave would look like, uh, so we certainly uh, prepared our uh, our responses and and the healthcare system even in the first wave uh, for numbers this high. Um, uh, but certainly, it uh, it came on quick as we as we know uh, it can, um, and and then we're right back on to putting on uh, these restrictions. If we all do our part now and again, as the Premier said earlier, 99% of Winnipeggers and Manitobans have been doing a great job. If we buckle down, if everybody does what we need to do now, will two weeks do it, do you think? 
Yeah, you know, like a, like a week from now, we can uh, start seeing the benefits of these actions. And two weeks from now, uh, that entire incubation period, we can really get an idea of it. Um, you know, I think realistically, uh, we have to look at two incubation periods to make, uh, you know, huge inroads on this. Uh, but certainly not out of the question to see uh, uh, some major benefit within uh, um, a week or two. Uh, and certainly, like always, we're always going to try to have that least restrictive means. So if there is an opportunity to loosen anything, uh, we're going to do so at the earliest uh, possible time. Final question, Dr. Rusin, and I hope I can get a little personal here. You know, every day we talk about how this virus, this pandemic, COVID-19, has impacted us all. And it really has impacted each and every one of us. Uh, Some with the death of a loved one. In other ways, you know, I've been working at home. I feel blessed that I'm working at home. I'm healthy. Uh, But there have been challenges for me, and there are challenges for everybody out there. Aside from the job, how have you been through this? Yeah, you know, it's it's been uh, challenging times for Manitobans and, and uh, you know, for me and uh, and my family. Um, uh, so I think that, uh, uh, you know, they've been coping, uh, but there's additional challenges on uh, on our time that we can spend together and um, and and uh, you know all of the the focus uh, on uh, on public health right now. So um, so it has been uh, been quite a challenging time. I'm sure it has been. Um, listen, um, I, I hope that we can get this under control. I, I, one more quick question. I can't imagine when you, I guess when you take this job, there's always a chance you have to deal with something like this. Uh, but I'll bet you never thought when you said yes to this opportunity in your career that you would be dealing with 80 Manitobans dead and five deaths today. And, you know, over 6,000 cases of this deadly virus with no vaccine. I, I can't imagine that was even part of your thought process, but I don't know. Maybe it was. You tell me. Yeah, we sure weren't uh, expecting a, uh, you know, a pandemic or certainly not a 100-year pandemic within six months of taking a job like this. But um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's what the training is, uh, is about. And, um, you know, we have that huge... Uh, you know, public health team and, and healthcare team, uh, you know, working behind me. Dr. Rusin, again, thank you so much for your service and, and the team and Lynette. And um, you become a part of our days. And I, I really do. And I know I speak for many, many Manitobans and Winnipeggers out there. Thank you so much for everything you've done. Well, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Dr. Brent Rusin, Manitoba's Chief Public Health Officer. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.